God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, we have a lot on our plate today. So uh, the calls are open. Uh, the call system is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. So yesterday was a really, really interesting day uh, with uh, politics and the uh, the electorates uh, all being assigned and certified uh, across the states. Uh, and a lot of unexpected things happened, unprecedented things, uh, very much unprecedented. And a lot of good things happened for Donald Trump. And it's uh, absolute amazing. You know, I will tell you that I thought yesterday was going to be a rough day for Team Trump. And I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be a media blitz. I've tuned the media completely out because what they're saying is just complete gaslight. Uh, they just uh, one track. They're on one side. They're the enemy of the people. And I don't listen to the enemy of the people because all they're going to try to do is hurt me. They're going to try to manipulate my mind. Of course, my mind's never been manipulated. I, uh, I've always been about an outsider, an outside thinker, and a, and someone that thinks independently, and uh, it's sort of why I do this, I guess. But in any case, uh, I don't tune into them so much. But what I will say is that I have clarity as a result of it, and uh, there are a lot of things to be very hopeful for. And a lot of things to uh, take to the bank. And uh, we're going to get into that. I'm going to explain a lot of things today. And also, I'm going to play a clip that is uh, from NTD, an Epoch Times um, uh, newsre newsreel, uh, that explains the process that, that, that might occur, that, that is actually very likely to occur. Um, very likely to occur. 
uh, when it gets down to January 6th. So we're going to explain that because I did a lot of research on that. Uh, I was hearing all kinds of things about what Pence's role is and all of this, and we're going to get to the bottom of that. So it's going to be interesting. So the first thing that I caught my attention yesterday was Nevada. <clears throat> and I thought, wow, these <laughs> right side broadcasting sent two guys from D.C. Now, they're based out of Auburn, but right side broadcasting, they had their whole crew in D.C. for the Jericho March. And they had sent two guys from D.C. all the way out to Nevada. And what was interesting about that is that um, the Republican or the GOP state legislatures were outside and they swore an oath and they swore on the Bible and certified with documentation with the right people uh, that were in charge of the GOP legislature. And they certified the uh, electors, the GOP electors, for they certified these electors for President Trump. Normally, uh, the vote gets certified. The governor, the secretary of state, and the attorney general will certify the vote. And that happens earlier. And that did happen earlier. And then what happens is the electors convene, and they declare whoever won the certified vote, they then declare that they allocate the electors and certify that on the uh, 14th of uh, December. And so that's what they did. And so the mainstream media would look at Nevada and they would basically count the Democrats. But they're, they're really kind of, you know, not addressing the elephant in the room, which is now this makes it contested. Not, not just that does it make it contested, but it extends time for President Trump to litigate and to adjudicate his position so he can bring lawsuits and challenges and get heard in a court that will hear him. And one of the questions that the court would ask is, do you have standing? And of course, coming from Nevada, where Nevada was harmed, yeah, it would be that you would have standing. But then the court would ask the second question. And the second question would be, is there a remedy? Or are we just blowing wind here? What's the point? If you can't win, what's the point? What's the remedy? And the remedy is that there are certified electors now in place, certified so the remedy is, yeah, we could actually win six electors, which could be, bring us closer to victory uh, on January 6th. Uh-huh. That's interesting. So, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about that. They're not talking about the word remedy. They're not talking about the idea that this gives Trump, you know, more, more uh, time, more time to... To, uh, to go through the process of being heard in court and having the evidence speak for itself and get some of these results overturned. And then what happened yesterday was Georgia followed suit. 
and Arizona followed suit, and PA followed suit. But uh, I had first heard that it was PA, uh, it was uh, PA, Georgia, and Nevada, and those three states came out early, guns a blazing. How many electorates is that? Well, let's see. Pennsylvania has twenty, Georgia has sixteen, and little old Nevada has six. Well, get this. As soon as that happened, I'm thinking, okay. They've allocated Biden, you know, as saying he won all the, the, you know, when they certified the votes, Biden had 306 and uh, Trump, I think, may have had 232, something like that. So 306. So what is that? That's uh, 36. You need 37 to bring Biden down to 269. Well, last I checked, 20 plus 16 plus 6 is 42. So... 37 brings him to 60, you know, it brings him to 264. And Biden can't win at that point. Biden can't win with 269. He can't win with 264 either. But Biden can't win. Now, if it was just PA and and, and Georgia, it would have been 270 for Biden. He would have just scraped by. But then Nevada kicked in, and I was like, yes, Nevada. Nevada gave uh, uh, the uh, president's endeavor teeth because now he has a chance to win. And Clark County is going to be one of those counties that's going to look a lot like Antrim County in Michigan. And we're going to talk about that today. So there's this, um, you know, uh, audit that was going on in uh you know, where an IT firm, I think it was Allied out of Texas, came up to Michigan and they audited this little bitty town, this little bitty county, 16,000 measly votes, not enough to, sw- to change the election in Michigan. But where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Where, where there's an, you're, you're finding fingerprints. That's what this is, right? It's a fingerprint. It's a fingerprint. It's a it's a basically there's a fingerprint and let's go to Maricopa County now and see if there's a fingerprint that matches. Let's see if we can go to Clark County and see if there's another fingerprint that matches. Let's go down to Georgia. Let's go to Cobb County and see if there's a fingerprint that matches. So, all that happened yesterday is this. It wasn't just Nevada, PA, and Georgia. It was Arizona, New Mexico, Wisconsin, Michigan. And in Michigan, they actually blocked the GOP legislators out of their own office. They have every right. They actually um, control the uh, legislature in Michigan, believe it or not. They control it. But they have rhinos in Michigan, and so you got Republicans that are basically saying that there's no real fraud. And that's a little unusual, too. That's a little ridiculous that you would basically have people on your own side shooting you in the back. You know, so we, we got to we got to put a stop to that. Um, we're going to talk about Bill Barr today as well. You know, there's a lot of things that every day under the world of uh, Trump in politics there's one event after another because the deep state, the establishment elite, and you know the basically the corrupt governments do not want 
a uh, representative of the people in their chamber, in their Oval Office, in their town. They don't want it anywhere to be seen or heard. But Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, that's seven states. And we're going to explain how this process works and what this means, These, this, this term called dual electors, right? Dual electors. What does it mean? We're going to get to that in just a moment. But there was another big uh, thing that happened yesterday. Okay, we talked about Michigan and Antrim County where they found 68% error rating. And they also, what's more important is they found it on purpose. It was done on purpose. Why was it done on purpose? What they were doing was creating errors and they were flipping votes with machines and the audit found that out. And they weren't going to release this information in Michigan because Whitmer is a witless, um, you know, she's anti-American. I think Whitmer's going to get impeached. This is all going to come crumbling down on them. But in Antrim, they did that. And then you say, well, whoa, what were they doing? They were, they were, but what they were doing is they were um, creating um, errors on the machines on purpose. And what they were doing is then saying every ballot that has an error, they would take it and they would adjudicate it. Now, we have on tape, you know, that uh, the adjudicating process is where the election managers can get together and uh, basically uh, reassign or fix or correct or change or manipulate a ballot using one of those machines electronically and then print it out. So an audit would never really pick up on that. Uh, an audit where you're like a recount would never pick up on that because you're actually counting a, a vote that was validated by an officer. But when you have an anomaly that where normally it would be uh, 0.08% is the uh, acceptable rate and you have a 0.08%, 0.08% and they had a rate of 68%. Well, guess what happened in Clark County? In Clark County, according to President Trump's Twitter, in Clark County, it's 70%. That's Las Vegas. So, viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, because uh, that changes that state. I don't know if that state's about six to 10,000 gap. Arizona's about, say, eight to 12,000 gap. Wisconsin's a 20,000 gap. Wisconsin had a 90% voter turnout rate. And the biggest win of the day yesterday was treated and buried as a loss in the mainstream media. There were two Wisconsin Supreme Court cases yesterday. Trump's case got tossed. But there was another guy, Robinson maybe was his name, but it doesn't matter. He was contesting a situation where um, you have this uh, situation where you have this thing called indefinitely confined, 
Now, Wisconsin was separated by about 20,000 votes. They couldn't even fudge. They couldn't add anymore because they were already up above 90% turnout rate. They had a couple of counties that were like over 100% turnout rate. They had Also, they had counties that were that looked identical to Cleveland, but yet the turnout rate was completely different. The demographics were identical to Cleveland. Cleveland got a 55% turnout rate. This town, the county in Wisconsin got a 90% turnout rate. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, does it? When Ohio and Iowa looked normal, and uh, but Michigan and Wisconsin didn't. And there were these amazing spikes where... Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton in every county in America except for the ones that were owned and operated by the the corrupt Democrat Party. And when I say owned and operated, I'm talking about Philadelphia, you know, crummy cities like like uh, they're they're just one party towns that are rigged to the hilt, that have corrupt DAs paid by Soros, where you have and you know uh, sanctuaries. And you have uh, lawlessness. You have Black Lives Matter groups that are Marxist. Things like that. Philadelphia, Detroit, Atlanta, and Milwaukee, and elsewhere. But those are Wisconsin, Michigan. You know, when you have Detroit and Milwaukee, that's Michigan, uh, Wisconsin. Philadelphia's PA, Atlanta's Georgia. It's exactly the states that are in play. And they even rigged Maricopa County. Maricopa is interesting because in Arizona, all the counties use this one uh, set of software on the Dominion machines or on these machines. And then just in Maricopa County, where it was an anomaly because, again, where in uh, Michigan, Antrim, they saw Biden winning that by a slight margin. When, in fact... The every prediction in the book would have had Trump winning that in a landslide based on everything else we saw in Michigan. So they decided to pick that one to check it out. And sure enough, they found all kinds of inconsistencies. I mean, fraud galore. Well, Maricopa County fits that same model. They're seeing a whole bunch of weird things like numbers that don't make sense for Maricopa County. And then you're also seeing the Sharpie Gate. Now, I remember when we were reporting about the Sharpie Gate in Maricopa County, and everybody was talking about these Sharpies, uh, basically making the ballots imperfect because the ink was bleeding through. And I, at the time, didn't see it. You know, I didn't, I didn't see what I see now. And at the time, I remember reporting to you all, and I said, um, so, you know, who knows how those people are going to vote? Right. I was thinking to myself, so, you know, they give them a Sharpie instead of a, a ballpoint pen. They pop, pop, uh, circle in, you know, fill the circle for their guy and, and then they go and then it's an invalid ballot. Right. It has to be adjudicated. Well, that's the key. See, their M.O. we're finding out is the adjudication process. So that's where a worker gets to behind closed doors manipulate the ballots and you could take 12,000 ballots in a batch and just declare them all for Biden and it could have been in a county like Antrim where where Trump was going to win 70% of that vote 
So you got Trump where he's supposed to win 70% of the vote and 12,000 ballots are on a stack on a pile to get adjudicated and all 12,000 go to Biden when more than likely 9,000 of those would have gone to Trump. That's a that's a huge swing because not only did you just take 9,000 away from Trump, but you've given it to, so that's a 9,000 shift. And they were also doing a 30,000 shift. So Michigan, even though it's 160,000 vote disparity, I have a feeling that Michigan is going to be riddled with this because almost every one of their counties was using that same exact machine. So we'll see. And that's an odd county to have that kind of fraud. And if you have that kind of inconsistency and fraud, then you're onto something. Like I said, the fingerprint. Those fingerprints uh, tell the tale because in order to pull off this rigging of the system, if you listen to Sidney Powell and others, what they've come up with is that Trump's turnout was so great and so unprecedented that Trump was so well-loved by the American people. So many people went to bat for Donald Trump, just like they did at every rally, just like they did at the Army-Navy game when they chanted USA, USA, just like they do everywhere he goes. They love him in America. They hate him in Washington, D.C. And they showed up to vote in an unprecedented fashion to take back our country And these scoundrels, these corrupt politicians, and these swineless swine people literally robbed America blind. And they pulled off the same stunt that they did for Chavez in Venezuela, which is where these machines were coming from. Some people actually believe that these machines came from the CIA. That the the CIA was using machines like this to to overthrow developing nations to try to reshape them in the right direction, fix elections. And the CIA was doing that meddling in elections in other countries. And so, you know, it's uh, uh, and here we are turning this crap onto ourselves. We got a couple of really interesting clips, too, that we're going to be playing uh, with regard to uh, Obama. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take this call real quick. Uh, this is Jonathan from the PA. Uh, Jonathan, you're on the air. Yeah, good morning. Good, uh, good show. I wanted to tell you about two or three prophecies that Trump will come very close to uh, losing, but then will just at the last minute just squeak through and win. Okay, we only have and like then, a minute, but uh, if you can make it quick, that would be great. And, and then, right, and then, um, and then, when he squeaks through, God has been allowing this for the evil to show its its hand, and then uh, Trump will exact vengeance on them. And the one prophecy comes from uh, someone I know. It's uh, uh, that he writes down his dreams, and um, he had a dream in twenty in twenty nineteen. Uh, in July, that uh, that it was a setup. He, says, he he didn't understand that then, but it was a setup. The election was a setup, and uh, like like all these Dominion machines uh, were, were 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 set to be able to be manipulated, and then but then at the very last minute he would just squeak through. <clears throat> so uh, I'm really I really see the Pennsylvania. 
turning the uh, uh, b- being turned down by the Supreme Court, uh, Texas and Pennsylvania being turned down, is that those justices uh, two things they don't have the opportunity to uh, look uh, at too many cases at once, and they've been looking at all this thing that uh, all the details that uh, Sidney Powell and has been putting out in Giuliani, and uh, I think they're saving their fire for the um, for this this last round of uh, court cases, and uh, then they're going to rule in in Trump's favor, allow allowing him a path to win, uh, uh, and uh, so that gives them. Uh, they say, well, we ruled one way for the one side and one way for the other side, and and it it, it makes them look more. Uh, judicial okay so well, that's thank that looks, you it looks like trump will win well let's hope <laughs> your lips to god's ears right all right thank you right okay. all right take care Bye. all right um all right so uh you know what we've been talking about is uh the um adjudication process and i believe that was the mo in maricopa county with the ink you know with the uh, sharpie gate uh that's also i think been the case throughout the country and again, those fingerprints, uh, we're going to start to see a pattern. And uh, we now know what the pattern is that, that we're looking for. And I think it's going to really be exposing. Uh, and, and you're going to find also that uh, Hillary pulled this same stunt on Bernie in California. There was a lot of election rigging. This has been going on for 20 years. We're going to hear a couple of clips from Patrick Byrne. He was on Ann Vandersteel, who's actually, uh, all, uh, you know, on our um, network. And, um, and uh, you know, she uh, is live at 9 p.m. Um, but uh, she uh, uh, had a really interesting interview with um, Patrick uh, Byrne from Overstock, who, uh, you know, had this affair with Maria Butina and so on and so forth. We're going to listen to a little bit of that clip as well. But I want to get through the what happened yesterday. So the electors officially went to Biden, um, but in seven cases there was dueling electors, and they call them sets. And so we're going to listen to a uh, interesting um, explanation as to what happens next, because a it gives Trump standing and it gives Trump a remedy because the electors for Trump are in the bag, in the bank, so to speak, and that he has something to fight for. If he, if he, if he did not have them certified in, in the bank as something to fight for, there would be no remedy. And the courts would say, well, you can argue all you want, but there was no remedy. So there's that important factor that happened yesterday. Huge win for Donald Trump in that regard. The other part is it gives Pence some leverage because you're going to find in this report that Rand Paul and Ron Johnson are in the Senate and they're basically going to for, uh, voice an objection to the results of the election. And Mo Brooks is leading the way in the House for a series of congressmen to voice an objection in the House. Now that's interesting because when this January 6th uh, meeting convenes at 1 p.m., at 1 p.m., January 6th, when it convenes, in order to allocate the electorates and certify them and declare a winner of the 2020 election, 
uh, there's going to be objections in the main chamber where the House of Representatives and the Senate all will be in a joint session. And what will happen is when there's objections from both um, chambers, they'll separate and go back to their chambers and try to resolve the issue, okay? They'll try to resolve that issue. And if they can, can't, if they cannot resolve the issue, it goes to the state delegation because Biden will not have enough electorates uh, because of these states that, that one by one will be objected to. And so Pence, being the president of the Senate, uh, then Mike Pence gets to decide to throw them out and say, I can't make a decision here. And so I'm not going to count these. And that's going to be where the Senate's going to reside. And at that moment in time, Trump wins because 26 of the delegations from the House, uh, the, the House Republicans have 26 delegations. Meaning, what is a delegation? They represent... 26 different states in the House. So they have control of 26 different states where the Democrat is not represented. So the representative in the, in the Congress, uh, in the House of Representatives, there are 26 states where it's Republican only. So they get to control the delegation. And in several other states, it's, it's, you know, like, so when you look at the House of Representatives, there are more Democrats than Republicans, right? But most of those Democrats come from California and New York. And so they don't represent as, they represent, they have more representatives, but they have less representation of states. And that's where it comes in, that's where it come, becomes problematic for the, for the, for the Democrats, and so you're, if, if you come up with 26 Republican delegations and they vote for Trump, Trump wins. So it's really important on how this is litigated and adjudicated and you know processed in the courts. It's really important, the work that Giuliani has been doing with Jenna Ellis in presenting their case to these state legislatures. And it's gotten, it's gotten them this far. Now the delegations will be part of all of that and they'll be looking at all the evidence and the preponderance of the evidence will tell them that, yeah, this looks like fraud. So let's take a listen to this this process. It's really good. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot from from this particular thing. This is um, a news reel that I listen to a lot and uh, it's an organization called NTD. Uh, it's a NTD News. Uh, I think you'll find it to be really good. You could find them on YouTube and uh, NTD, and it's a uh, it's an arm of Epic Times. Really good outfit. The 538 electors met to cast their votes for the next president of the United States. But there's pushback from Republican electors in battleground states. NTD's Christina Kim brings us updates. The December 14th meeting is when the electors cast their votes. Most of the 538 electors have been voting according to predictions, 
Electors in key battleground states like Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania have cast their ballots for Joe Biden. Before this becomes official, these votes need to be counted during the joint session of Congress when the House of Representatives and Senate meet on January 6th. This process will be overseen by Vice President Mike Pence, part of his role as Senate president. As Democrat electors in contested states cast their votes, Republican electors in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, and Michigan all said they cast procedural votes for President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. This comes as their state's formally appointed Democratic electors voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. For example, Pennsylvania's GOP issued a statement saying they cast a conditional vote for Trump and Pence at the request of the Trump campaign. They said it was to preserve any legal claims that may be preserved going forward and clarified that it is in no way an effort to usurp or contest the will of the Pennsylvania voters. And as Georgia's electors awarded the state's 16 votes to Biden, six GOP electors in Georgia cast ballots for President Trump and said the contest of the election is ongoing. David Schaefer, the chairman of the Georgia Republican Party, said they did this because the president's lawsuit contesting the Georgia election is still pending. When GOP electors cast their votes for the president, this sets up the potential for dueling electors. This is when one candidate is certified by the governor and the other by the legislature. If this deadlock occurs, the Supreme Court would have to resolve the election. White House advisor Stephen Miller told Fox News that alternate groups of electors were being chosen in several states, claiming that it would lead to Trump's re-election. He said the only deadline in the Constitution was January 20th, and there is plenty of time to overturn the election before then. Christina Kim, NTD News. Hawaii is the last remaining state to cast its four electoral votes. The state's electors will meet at 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. And two senators have said they may object to the electoral votes for president in January. Three representatives are planning to file objections. An objection can be filed, but it must be endorsed by at least one senator and one representative. NTD's Kevin Hogan has more on how Congress selects the president. Congress is the body that determines who will be the next president, not the court system, according to Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama. Brooks explains Congress must first accept or reject the state submission of electoral college votes. Congress convenes on January 6th at 1 p.m. to receive the state's electoral votes. The Senate president shall call for any objections, which must be signed at least by one senator and one representative. So far, Republican Senators Ron Johnson of Wisconsin and Rand Paul of Kentucky have said they may object. Three reps are planning to file objections. Those are Rep. Mo Brooks, Rep-elect Barry Moore from Alabama, and Rep-elect Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. After an objection, the Senate and House will separate and each will decide whether to accept or reject a state's objected electoral votes. If both chambers reject the state's votes, they will not be counted. Then if neither candidate has a majority, Congress votes on and elects the next president and VP. Each state's delegation of representatives has one vote. A candidate must receive a majority of delegation votes, as in 26 out of 50, to become the president. Kevin Hogan, NTD News. House Republicans say they're concerned about the Chinese communists. Right. Okay. I thought there was more, but um, I will tell you this. Uh, that That is interesting. There was the first part uh, said something about the Supreme Court. Now, that uh, that could be determined in terms of disputes, but this whole thing about objections, I didn't know about until I heard this report, and that's the objections and the fact that the president of the Senate, which is Pence, gets to weigh in on these things 
And uh, if there's an objection in the Senate, which Rand Paul and uh, Ron Johnson could very well make objections, they've kind of indicated that they would, uh, then this would uh, make it an unresolved issue that the president of the Senate would then have to get involved, convene, and oversee uh, this this process. So I, I think this is a very interesting development. So let's recap a little bit about where we've uh, come from today. And then we're going to talk a little bit about solar winds. We're going to talk about uh, what Jonathan was talking about, uh, who the caller that called in was talking about um, this being a premeditated uh, coup. Well, Patrick Byrne's going to highlight that. I guess we'll talk, we'll, we'll go to Patrick Byrne now um, because I want, I want to bring that closer to what we're talking about. But yesterday to recap, you had, um, you had seven states. So in that report, I think they, they talked about four or five, but it's Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Wisconsin, Michigan, and PA, and Georgia. And in Nevada, you got Clark County with a 70% error rate. So once again, that's Las Vegas. That's a big one because Nevada can flip uh, with with those types of uh, that type of fraud. If you have the same kind of fraud in Antrim, uh, in the, in Clark County as you had in Antrim, Antrim, they did an audit. Sixteen thousand votes was all that was up in play there, but they have a sixty eight percent error rate, and they claimed that in Clark, Nevada, according to President Trump's Twitter feed, seventy percent error rate. Okay, so. Then you have uh, Maricopa County that has agreed to get go through a, a machine audit system. So they're going to audit the machines just like they did in Antrim. They see anomalies. They're going to go to um, to Maricopa County and they're going to look at these Sharpie gate. All those Sharpies were done on purpose. And they were done on purpose to invalidate the ballot and allow an adjudicator to adjudicate the ballot. And there's been reports of, in some cases, of stacks of 12,000 votes just being one click, boom, done. And they don't even count them all. They, they don't even look at them all. They just take all the ballots and they declare them for uh, Biden. So uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. But the biggest ruling of the day was in Wisconsin. So we just covered Nevada, Arizona, um, and, um, and Michigan. Right now, yesterday, also, the Trump team opened up litigation and a lawsuit in New Mexico. I don't know why, you know, I don't know to what extent that's going to be important, but um, New Mexico is in play. All right. And then um, so we covered Michigan, which was Antrim, Michigan, Clark County, Nevada, Maricopa, Arizona, uh, there's new litigate, new court l- lawsuits uh, in New Mexico. Of course, G- Georgia, uh, they've allowed a, an extensive forensic audit in Cobb County, a signature verification process. Now, they picked and choose. I don't trust Raffisber- Raffisberger and Sterling as far as I could throw them. I think they're corrupt as, as all get out. And they may have picked Cobb County because Cobb County may have done signature verification. So who knows? We'll see what happens there. But uh, Cobb County in Georgia is going through now a rigorous forensic 
analysis of signature verification. So let's see how that plays out. Um, the other part is you have Wisconsin. The situation in Wisconsin, to me, was the big win of the day. And the media played it off like, oh, Trump's case was thrown out. But there was another case where it was they were talking about um, people staying at home and absentee ballots indefinitely confined. Well, there were 200, the, Wisconsin was separated by 20,000 votes. The votes that are in play right now for that particular indefinite, uh, the, the absentee ballot, is 215,000 votes. The Supreme Court ruled yesterday that, uh, that COVID, the COVID uh, and a pandemic are not reason enough to stay at home. And one of the people that were one of the electors for Joe Biden stayed home. She's on that list of 215,000. And she didn't have COVID or she, or she claims she was a fear, fearful of COVID. If you have COVID, you can stay home. But she didn't have COVID. So the idea is, is that she stayed home. And by doing this, it also exempted you from showing an ID. That was the other part of this. So 215,000 people. Normally, the normal number, about 50,000. 50,000. Now you say, well, the turnout was higher this time probably due to fraud. And you say, okay, well, okay, I'll give you that. Maybe it's uh, 75,000, right? Normal. 215,000 people stayed home, did not show an ID, and voted absentee ballot. I guarantee you that 85% of those ballots were for, were for uh, Joe Biden. Now, you don't just toss these out. What happens is every one of those ballots gets audited and challenged. And I guarantee you there's going to be missing signatures. There's going to be all kinds of anomalies. And uh, I, I think that that is going to be a place where you actually can, can, uh, can make a difference in the 20,000 vote disparity in Wisconsin. So you got an avenue where if they find what they found in Antrim, Michigan— all right, by the audit, by an independent auditor. If they find in Clark County, that, turn, that, that changes Nevada right there. And if they find anomalies in Cobb County with regard to signature verification, that changes Georgia. And if they find the same kind of nonsense in Antrim as the, in Maricopa as they found in Antrim, uh, you know, it's like, like I said, Antrim was a benchmark. They're taking that show on the road and they're taking it to Clark County in Nevada and Maricopa in Arizona. And I guess that's what they're doing in New Mexico as well. They found fingerprints in New Mexico. So Wisconsin, the absentee ballots, they can flip that state. They could flip Nevada because Clark County is the biggest lion's share. There's a lot of anomalies there. A lot of illegals voting in Clark County. And a lot of... Um, uh, uh, errors, seventy percent errors, and when the, the number should be point zero eight, something like that. So it's 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 an anomaly. So there you got Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, 
and potentially Michigan, now that they're probably going to have to audit the entire state of Michigan uh, because of what happened in Antrim. They can't just let that stand. They got to say this is systematic. Almost every county in Michigan did it a certain way. So this is far from over. Trump might be able to win the election without even going to the Supreme Court, is what I'm trying to say. And by these electorates doing the dual electorates, they call them sets, gives Pence a little bit of choice now. If the Senate and the House object, then Pence literally gets to determine whether or not that state's electorates are going to be counted. And this puts Trump into the catbird seat, so to speak. So the contested election objections in the House. And so, well, we just went through all that. Okay. So we're going to get to Patrick Byrne now. And this is quite interesting right now in and of itself. Let's take a listen and look. It says, breaking, Patrick Byrne, former CEO of Oberstock, claims that he was complicit in facilitating a bribe for Hillary Clinton in the amount of $18 million on behalf of the FBI in January 2016. This is going back to the 2016 election. The bribe which she accepted was then going to be used by members of, of the Obama administration against Hillary after she was elected, as it was later explained to him, President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy at this point, but especially at the Department of Justice. Hillary Clinton is going to be president for eight years, and nothing is going to change that, but think of there being a Bunsen burner within the DOJ. That evidence about the two bribes you were a part of gathering is going to be sitting on the Bunsen burner. The hand-sitting on the burner is going to be the one of Barack Obama's people. So basically they were going to put a big fat cow like called the Bunsen burner in the, in the middle of the DOJ, they were going to have a guard, basically um, a Barack Obama disciple guarding it. And basically if anybody were to get out of hand or go rogue, they were going to lift the lid off that Bunsen burner and impeached the president, Hillary Clinton. They just thought that Hillary would win. And so the, the, uh, what happened was Barack Obama wanted to control the next presidency for the next eight years. He wanted to change, fundamentally transform America. So if Hillary is a good girl and depends, uh, defend, defends Obamacare, that flame stays low. If she's a bad girl, and thinks for herself that flame is going to get turned up high. That way, Barack Obama is going to manage Hillary Clinton for the next eight years. She's uh, as president. And then when she steps down, Michelle is going to run. Claims it was called Operation Snow Globe, meaning you, you can shake it up and, you know, dubbed Obama and Brennan, so that once Hillary stepped into it, uh, they would be able to shake her up at any time during her presidency, if needed, says the Durham and Barr were aware. Byrne stated that Patrick Byrne stated there was an additional Hillary bribe prior to one listed above, which was in the amount of $20 million involving the t- country of Turkey and occurred in the fall of 2015. The shocking claim was made in an interview with Ann Vandersteel. And uh, what's interesting about this as well is... Uh, 
And we're gonna I'm gonna play this clip really quick. Uh, it's quite interesting. And let's take a listen to Barack Hussein. Um, what, what you know now? Do you wish like you had a sec a, a third term? What, what you know now? Do you wish like you had a sec a, a third term? Um, and I I used to say, you know what? If if I could make an arrangement where um, I had a I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats, mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Wow. I, I'd be fine with that. And what you know now, do you wish like you had a sec a, a third term? Um, all right, so that's uh, and I, I hear- that's pretty telling, right? I mean, that's absolutely stunning to hear Barack Obama basically say he wants to be the puppet master and he wouldn't mind pulling the strings on somebody else. Uh, there's a movie like Roxanne with Steve, Steve, uh, um, uh, the comedian, Steve Martin and uh, Daryl Hannah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, the same concept. Um, but in any case, um, that's what's going on. Let's take a listen to Patrick Byrne in his own words. I bribed Hillary Clinton $18 million. I facilitated a bribe for Hillary Clinton on January 14, 2016, right here in this town. Hillary Clinton, I, on behalf of the FBI, I, they came to me around December 1, 2015. They told me Hillary Clinton had accepted a bribe from Turkey for $20 million. They told me that, there, that I would be working for a group in New York, FBI agents, who had authorization to set Hillary Clinton up in a sting. They asked me to facilitate a bribe for her, an $18 million bribe from another government. The bag man from that other government was I was to befriend and I was to get that person 10 minutes alone in a room with Hillary Clinton. I did. On January 14, 2016, Hillary Clinton was in this town and she met in a way that was kept off her schedule. She accepted an $18 million bribe. General Barr knows this. This is the, the Durham. They know this was what is behind it all. And I'll even tell you, I'm going to drop one more thing. I've been waiting since I've been waiting to say this publicly. And I would, this is what really happened. I will tell you, if you if you hear this and you give me 90 seconds, your viewers will understand what's happened in the last five years in America. I've been waiting to say this on mainstream TV, and they will not have me back because once they understood what this was about. I had Hillary Clinton, I caused Hillary Clinton, I facilitated a bribe, and she took a second bribe for $18 million, and I worked with the FBI as I did that. Uh, they, they, they're deeply involved in this. They came to me three days later and told me I had to forget about it, and forget that it ever happened. And I said, what are you talking about? And they gave me one excuse. They said, uh, you are... Hillary's going to win, and it's been determined, it's been decided upstairs, nothing, nothing's going to be able to stop that now. So she's going to win, and she's going to send her people over to the FBI and ask who was part of investigating Hillary, and any of us who were part of it are going to be destroyed, and that includes you too, Patrick. And so this mission has been scrubbed from the highest level. And I thought about that, and I said, yes, sir, and I came. But two or three weeks later, I was back with three federal agents this time three federal agents, and I let them know that wasn't sitting, and, and this is in Salt Lake City, Utah, and that that wasn't sitting well with me, and I'd like to know why we had almost a year before the election. Mm-hmm. 
We lost the sound on that. But um, uh, the, he goes on to say uh, that uh, basically that they were um, told that Hillary was going to win and that you don't want to be on the wrong side of entrapping Hillary Clinton. If she wins, you know, then she, she'll crush you. And uh, so there was some problems with with it. So they, they scrapped it. But then next thing you know, they wanted to maybe bring it back and use it as a Bunsen burner, as a bribe tool to control the next president of the United States, who they thought was going to be Hillary Clinton. They didn't think that Trump was going to win. So you keep hearing that phrase and it comes up in so many different ways. It's worth mentioning, you know, Barr gave his resignation yesterday. And you wonder if some of this stuff is going to become to light. I know that uh, Donald Trump has talked extensively about declassification and he said he's going to declass and he's going to basically just, you know, take it down. And um, and one of the things that happened yesterday, yesterday as well is solar winds. The um, company that was responsible for getting hacked, uh, their software got hacked and exploited. And what happened was that was being used at DHS, Treasury, um, in some of our most important areas of government and uh, solar winds. But it turns out that solar winds was also being used by the Dominion voting machines. And so CodeMonkey uh, has been asking the question, uh, was D- D- Dominion machines, were these Dominion machines the victim uh, or were they a victim of their own circumstance, meaning that they created a monster machine for their own benefit of corruption? And then some white hat went in and hacked into it. You never know. And what kind of hacking was it? Is this, you know, nothing's really by coincidence. Barr stepping down now, I think, is not a coincidence. And you got Ron, uh, this uh, Rosen guy that's going to be coming up. And his MO uh, for Rosen is foreign intervention. So um, that's a, that's kind of a big deal. Um, so th- there is a write-up and it says, friends ignore... Uh, no, that's a wrong clip. Well, oh, soon-to-be A.G. Rosen recently wrote an essay on foreign influence in U.S. elections. Foreign actors are covertly trying to undermine confidence in our elections. Malign foreign influence efforts in our elections has been a perennial problem. And that's written by... A.G. Rosen, the guy that's replacing um, uh, A.G. Barr. So that's interesting. And then at the same time, the U.S. Marshals, Texas Rangers, and FBI were at the headquarters in Austin, Texas of SolarWinds. Wonder if they're going to find out a lot about Dominion software. Huh. Think about it. Uh, That brings us to the end of our show. My name's Scott Adams, and I'll see you next time on the radio. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com. A little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.